This is a Main Hustle Media Podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. My name is Jackie O and you're listening to Militantly Mixed. Yo, this is Rashani from the Single Simulcast. And when I'm not making you laugh or making up parody songs, I'm kicking back listening to Militantly Mixed. I would like to acknowledge that the Militantly Mixed podcast is recorded on the traditional lands of the Karankawa people, and I wish to pay my respects to the people of that nation, both past and present. Hey y'all, welcome to Militantly Mixed, the podcast about race and identity from the mixed race perspective. I am your host, Charmaine, aka Mixed Auntie Maine, the busiest mixed race, bi-gendered, bisexual, polyamorous, atheist, comic book nerd, cat mom, mask making, Gulf Coast Cosmos, comic book co-owning, Asian American Podcasters Association's Golden Crane Award winning podcaster in this podcasting game. This is episode 150. Pew, 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 milestone episode. Uh, and also it is the last episode of 2021. I, I know I've been debating on whether or not I was going to take the December mental health hiatus, given that I have taken so many hiatuses this year because of my move and everything, but I need a break. This year has been crazy. Like on a personal level, 2021 was a lot more cumbersome for me than 2020 was. Although we've all had very difficult times over the last two years due to the panorama and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I I need a break. (laughs) I'm also going to be closing down the shop for a couple of weeks, or we're going to be closing down the shop for a couple of weeks at the end of the year after, after the holidays so that we can rest and recoup as well. So it's just a good opportunity to give myself a break and refresh so I can come back strong next year. Plus, once y'all hear this episode and the guests that I have, like, it'll make sense. Like, this is how you close out 2021. It was dope. My guest this week, I, listen, we've never met before. We know a lot of the same people, but we've never engaged before. The very first time we engage is in recording this episode that you're about to hear. We spoke for 57 minutes, and then I was a responsible podcaster. I, I hit the stop button, and I was like, okay, let we could chat for a little bit longer. That little bit longer turned into another four hours, four and a half hours. I think altogether we spoke for nearly five hours, uh, which I've never done with a guest before, especially not someone I've just met. I have talked to three hours before and then I've become friends with some folks and stayed in a, you know, you know, now we're texting and FaceTiming and shit like that. But like, this was first out time, very first time we meet outside of the gate and record. And then we stay on for another five hours. Like, yeah, that's never happened before. So I am excited to share this episode with you because we have a lot of crossover. We clicked really well, but more than anything, just... You know, I'm lucky doing Militantly Mix. I am lucky with the people that I get to meet. I have had a chance to be exposed to all different forms of mixedness, even mixedness outside of my own identity. I've been able to hear different perspectives that have reframed mixedness for me, changed me in some kind of way, uh, allowed me to grow in my understanding, um, allowed me to release problematic views that I didn't realize were problematic in the past. I've I've had I've just had an amazing experience doing militantly mix, getting a chance to meet so many different mixed people from all walks of life. Um, but every now and then, there's someone that I connect with 
in like very directly and very personally, and they become a part of my life. And some of them you've heard a lot on the show multiple times, like Teresa Stovall, Dr. Jen Noble, Rohan Jolie, Asian Soph, naturally Mona Lisa. Like there are some people that you hear from a lot on the show because they've been, they've now become a a personal relationship in my life in some way, shape, or form. Whether we've worked together on other mixed stuff or we've just become friends. And then I have some people that have become like literal personal friends that you don't hear as much on the show because they, they're mine now. <laughs> they're my friends. Um, and they know who they are. But uh, this one really surprised me because I did not know we were going to click. I, I knew we had a lot of crossover and I knew we had a lot of people that we knew in common, but I just didn't know... I, I didn't have any expectation that it would be any different than any other episode of Militantly Mixed. I didn't know we were going to click the way that we did. And we had such a great time. I, I have a feeling you'll see more of this person through Militantly Mixed in some way, shape, or form, whether it's IG Lives or return episodes or we'll figure out something we can do to work together. But this guest is in my life now, whether he knows it or not. <laughs> My guest today is Blasian content creator, actor, and uh, fellow Blasian podcaster, Ryan Alexander Holmes. A lot of you should be familiar with him. He's on TikTok, YouTube, and Instagram. Sometimes he does a lot of, of content where it's him engaging with people who don't realize he's mixed or Blasian specifically. Sometimes it's how he's received on the black side. Sometimes it's how he's received on the Asian side, the Chinese side, or even by outsiders that view mixed people in weird ways, you know, that, that's a, that's a kind of content that, that he does. And also airing out his own feelings about the murders of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and, and other people, Ahmaud Arbery that have been murdered by police and or random people who think they're doing some shit. He was motivated by that last year and that's what kind of increased his content. And so I'm really excited to be able to share an intimate conversation with y'all from Ryan, given that you get an opportunity to see so much of his content out there in the world as well. But yeah, like I said, if he didn't have a meeting to go to and I didn't have to pee so bad, we probably would have stayed talking because like the light changed, like it was daytime when we started talking and then it was nighttime. <laughs> so yeah. And, it, and like, I didn't have lunch. Like we didn't eat meals. I, it was right before lunchtime that we started talking and then it was evening when we stopped. So yeah, we had a, we had a good time and I'm looking forward to sharing that episode with you today. Uh, before I do that though, like I said, it is going to be the last episode of 2021. So just a few little last or end of the year announcements. If you would like to sponsor the show to help me keep the show going, I do need a little bit more fan support. We have gotten another recent Patreon. So shout out to Amanda. Thank you so much for joining the Patreon family. So if we would like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash mixed and sponsor the show as low as a dollar a month to as high as anything you wish. And there are different reward levels depending on what you choose. And so long as you hit the $5 a month minimum level, you can have access to the uh, video versions of the episode, starting with episode 142. Um, so you can watch me engage with our guests on the show if you access Patreon at the $5 level. If you would like to sponsor the show, but you don't wish to commit to an annual or monthly sponsorship, you can go to paypal.me slash militantlymixed. And I call that the tip jar. So just throw some coins in that tip jar. It all adds up and it all goes into the Militantly Mixed bank account. 
to keep us going and growing. So definitely appreciate your help that way. And during this mental health hiatus, I will also be catching up on some of the rewards that I'm a little bit behind on, sending y'all the postcards and the pins and shirts and things like that. So I will be getting that out there this month as well. Oh, this is just a personal one, but um, some of you have purchased my mask, so I'm going to go ahead and mention it here. Um, I have another company. My third company is MasksByMaine.com. It's where I sell you know, cloth masks, fabric masks, as a way to process my anxiety related to COVID. Honestly, is the reason why I started it. Um, I've also used it as a way to raise funds for different COVID relief um, that service black and brown communities and a portion of the proceeds of, of all of those masks do go to different communities. Each month I do a different organization. I am ready to stop that website though. I was going to end it before I left LA and, um, and not bring it back. But as I was warning that I was going to be closing down the shop, I started getting a lot of uh, emails telling me, no, please keep it open. We like your mask and stuff like that. And so I was like, you know, I might need the, the funds anyway, so I'll go ahead and keep it open. So after I got to Houston, I reopened the shop about a month later and started up again. But now that my comic book shop is getting so much busier. I, I just can't put the effort in anymore. And honestly, it's not as where, as much where my heart is as the podcasting and the comic book shop. So it's a time for me to go ahead and wrap it up for, for real, for real this time. The website will be available until December 10th. So between now and December 10th, please feel free to go purchase whatever is on the website. After that, on December 11th is the day that I'm going to shut it down. And I'm sure I'm going to still have masks and fabric left over, but I don't want to pay for the web hosting and, the, and all that kind of stuff to keep it going. So if I still have anything available after December 11th, I will probably add it to Instagram or whatever as a shop, but I won't be making efforts to promote it. It'll just be there. Uh, so yeah, masksbymaine.com, M-A-S-K-S-B-Y-M-A-N-E.com. That will be shutting down on December 11th. So get your orders in now if you want to. And then other than that, if you're into comic books, I mean, I know you've been hearing me talk about it a lot because it is my my other part of my life, um, gulfcoastcosmos.com. We are an e-commerce comic book shop in addition to a meat space in-person brick and mortar here in Houston. So if you're in the Houston area, roll through, come meet me. I want to I know you too. It doesn't matter if you're into comics or not. We also have a patio you can hang out on and stuff like that. Uh, if you are into comics though it'd be nice for you to come and check us out if you're here in the area if not gulfcoastcosmos.com we're an e-commerce company as well so you can feel free to order your comics that way um and that's pretty much it i guess thank you for giving me another year of doing this show i when i started it i was starting it for the purely selfish reason of wanting to engage with more mixed people again because i had such a mixed childhood and didn't have that mix of an adulthood and in doing this show, I didn't realize the other things I was going to get out of it, the growth, the opportunities to learn, the opportunities to speak publicly and to be of service to the mixed community, which is, you know, the whole reason why it's called Militantly Mixed. It's, it's about being of service. And um, y'all give me that opportunity by sticking it out with the show. And I just appreciate y'all so much. So thank you, thank you, thank you for continuing to ride with the show and, um, and support where you can. And that's about it. So without further ado, please join me in welcoming our latest cousin to the Militantly Mixed family, Ryan Alexander Holmes. And for the last time of 2021, don't forget to be your mixed ass selves. Peace out.
And for those of you who can see on the screen, which is just the Patreon sponsors, who I have today, my guest today is Ryan Alexander Holmes, uh, one of the top tier Blasians out there in content creations. So why don't you introduce yourself to everybody and um, let's get into it. That was that list that you gave was very long. And <laughs> you, like you memorized that. Yeah. And like you memorize, and I always that. add to it when something else happens. So that's you why you said it so fast too. Yeah. Like, yeah. like you practice that, and that's kind of awesome. That's dedication yeah. right there. Um, <laughs> me, I'm Ryan Alexander Holmes. Uh, I am an actor and content creator. Um, I want to list the shows that I've been on and the movies that I've done, but I don't really want to do that because my Asian side is like be humble. Um, um, so I, you want so, me to do it? So maybe you could do it. So I'm aware of The Morning Show. Cool. Dear White People. Cool. Season three? It's, uh, season look, two. I don't even remember. <laughs> um, I remember the Dr. Pepper, com Dr. Pepper commercial. Dr. Dr. Pepper, yeah. Because I remember seeing it and going, who's that, that guy looks familiar. <laughs> that, guy, that guy's name's not Rico. <laughs> Some other Rico. R name. Some other R name. Yeah. Um, um, what else? Um, that's it. Okay. That's not it, but that's, that's it, not it, you know? but that's the ones that came um, off the top of my head. So um, uh, I'm a content creator. I make uh, content that is about um, being mixed, being Blasian and embracing that. I mean, I, I, I try to make it universal so that everyone can, can enjoy it, mm -hmm. um, whether you're black or Asian or whether you're, you're mixed or not. Um, I just want to spread joy from the joy that I've experienced in my life, you know, mm -hmm. and sometimes it gets deep and dark. But there's always, um, you know, a redemption at the end of the tunnel mm -hmm. and humor. Mm -hmm. um, yes. That's what keeps me alive is the humor. One of my favorite ones is the chopstick fight, like where you're. Oh my God. That's, when yeah. you're assumed that you don't know how to speak, <laughs> you don't know how to use the chopsticks. Um, that's, that's, can relate. That's, that's one of my all time, too. And the Blasian Family Matters one. is like, Blasian Family Matters one also enjoy is, as well that's, and then sometimes you're just kind of sitting and just having a mo like a mixed moment and you're just kind of talking mm -hmm. and dressing things like that which yeah. also i appreciate yeah. um also you are a co-host on a sort of recent podcast yeah black brown and gold, black, baby. Brown and gold. with um with, uh, meg scoop and, and um blazing fma fma uh, so I have engaged with Blasian FMA on the Blasians Unite page on Facebook before, but I haven't managed to, we haven't managed to talk yet. Oh, and um, I will. found out about Meg through y'all's show. So. Oh, you will. You I'll will catch them all. Him. I'll catch them. I'll get him. them all. Now, yeah. now that I got it in. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. just be like, um, I talked to Ryan and. Well, did um, you, do you know about uh, the Black and Asian Alliance? I Ooh. only do because on I, I, well, I was on the Bla the Blasians Unite page and then yeah. when i saw that the post for about your guys podcast popped up mm -hmm. then i was like oh hey they got a, a alliance yeah, he, thing too he'd be he'd be doing a lot of work he, yeah he's out there he's uh, out there on he the does a lot streets. of work and uh just seeing how much work he does makes me tired <laughs> <laughs> um well so uh, eventually i will get involved there because for the most part the previous few years of the show has been broadly mixed and yeah now people are starting to realize like the content skews Blasian because because that's I what am. he is. Yeah, you know that's what it is. So I'm excited to finally get a chance to <laughs> talk to you, and I know that there's a number mm -hmm. of people that follow me that have sent me stuff from you and stuff like that. And I'm like, yeah, I already know who 
I already know. I already follow. Like, you ain't showing me shit. Um, no, but seriously. Yeah. <laughs> but let's get in. Let's talk, talk a little bit about you. So you are yeah. Chinese and Black. Um, you have lived mm-hmm. in the States. You have lived in China. You have mm-hmm. traveled. Let's get into yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm from this town. I, I, I don't know if I want to say it because I might talk trash about it later. <laughs> We can bleep it. I can. I, can I go grew ahead up. And bleep it. I grew up in a suburban town. There we go. <laughs> there you go. In LA, uh, adjacent to Pasadena, the demographic was um, about I think I don't know. I want to say forty percent Chinese, sixty percent white, and then zero percent anything else, basically. Um, and uh, I was the only one. I was the only Blasian, only black kid. Mm-hmm um growing up and i was definitely reminded of that every day and also told by my peers um that i was one of the good ones yep it's one of the good blacks and uh i also didn't act black and that's why i was one of the good ones which is such a compliment yeah it's such a compliment i love that so so much growing up so love it yes um and so that that created a whole identity crisis that happened outside of home because at home I was Asian and I was black fully, completely Mm. both. And my parents made sure that I felt that way. And, you know, I was very involved in Chinese culture and celebrated all the holidays, spoke the language, um, um, was at grandma's house, grandma and grandpa's house every weekend, hanging out with my cousins who are Chinese and one of them's half Japanese, half Chinese. Ooh, Um, I bet that's, um, yeah, that's a whole thing. (laughs) (laughs) What she was experiencing was like something that I didn't know anything about, Mm -hmm. you know, because I'm just like, hey, you look, at least you look Asian, which to her, it's like, yeah, but no Chinese people accept me because my whole name is Japanese. Yeah. But my whole family is Chinese. Like she has no, she had no connection to her Japanese side, still doesn't really, but she has a whole Japanese ass name. (laughs) Um, So yeah, so that was the foundation sort of like of my form of my uh, formative years, mm-hmm. right? Of of having living this dual life, not just by being black and Asian, but also being like at home one way and then in public another right. way, right? Like, and then my dad saw that. So he wanted to give me a black influence in my life. Uh, and so I joined a black track club in Pasadena and immediately was made fun of for <laughs> not being black enough. <laughs> You know what I mean? We can't win. And I was like, damn. <laughs> we can't win. I came from this white, and and also the neighborhood that I grew up in was this super conservative, old money, traditional Republican mm. town, mm. where like the Asians that moved to that town were also were trying to assimilate into that culture. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. A lot of times that's what Asians do. A lot of times that's what immigrants do when they move mm-hmm. into a certain neighborhood. They try to blend in. Yeah. And so I had all that to deal with as well. You know what I mean? All our teachers, even though half the demographic was Asian, were white. Yeah. All of them were white. Do you remember and, when uh, you had, if you had your first teacher of color, I've any Yeah, in high school. In high school. High school was the first time. Same high school me. high school changed my life, even though <laughs> even though I went to a very white high school too. Mm. A private Catholic high school. Um but the 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 I was really good at sports and the the athletic coaches were that took me under were black and uh, the teachers that I had formed really strong bonds with were my coaches and just the teachers who were black. <laughs> <You know? Right. laughs> um, um, Shout out to think, Mr. Victor ninth grade for me. <laughs> yeah, for real. Like coach Adams and, and, and coach Al and coach Porterfield, like they really changed my life. Yeah. You know? um, by making me understand 
like that I can be who I am and still be black and that's fine you know what I mean yeah um where was I going with this don't know it's um, um identity being one way at home getting to assimilate into blackness yeah with your dad but also not being black enough that's that's where we started I mean hey that's <laughs> kind of it's, still it's where we are journey. now yeah 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 and I think now uh having gone through that I just want to share that experience with everybody because the moment I started sharing it the more I started to realize that there's people like us out there right right like yeah um and and it's like a whole new world a whole new (laughs) world because i'm getting to talk about experiences that i never could relate to with anybody you know what i mean like anybody especially when i'm talking to people who are black and asian because no matter almost like no matter what kind of asian or what kind of black you are Mm -hmm. you share this sort of experience of being different right? Like you could grow yeah. up with all black people, but you're still Asian. And then that's a part of you that you didn't get to experience. Right. And yeah. You could be like me and grow up with, you know, conservative white people and uh, assimilated Asians who want to be conservative and who yeah. are conservative and uh, not feel accepted by the Asian half, even though you grew up with that Asian half. Right. right? But you're still black and they see you as that and they treat you as that. So are you referring to like other Asians external to your family? Or are you talking about your family also kind of making you not feel Asian? No, no, my family and my family has never made me feel not Asian. That's ever. awesome. They made me feel too Asian. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I, like, that's not a weird sentence to me, but. Like, like I did everything. <laughs> I did all the things. I did more. What I've learned is I've done, I've done more than like my Asian peers. Like I knew that I knew the language more than a lot of my uh, oh. uh, Asian peers that I grew up with. I embraced the culture more than my Asian peers that I grew up with, right? Because because they only saw me as black. We didn't connect about the Asian part, mm. right? So I never knew what they were doing at home. Right. I never yeah. talked. We never talked about Chinese culture, right? Which is yeah. actually really strange now. That I think back to it. I'm like, we're all Chinese. Like, yeah. why are we talking about Chinese stuff? That's actually something that I remember. I don't remember how long ago it was, but you had, um, it was either a YouTube video or or a TikTok or something like that, where you were talking about um, like when you realized you were black and Asian, like that publicly you could exist as black and Asian 100% versus just what somebody would decide for you. And um, it's so little that that gets spoken like you know yeah we try to talk about it on this show we try to talk about it or or you still have people that will refer to themselves as half or or percentages or whatever and it's like you're existing in this body that is a mix of these things and yeah cultures that you're getting you are you are all of these things you don't have to reduce it um but you're you're one of the few other creators out there that i also hear talk about it like it's an ownership of all the things yeah i mean i appreciate that I, I feel like it's fine to say that you're half or you're a quarter or whatever, but like it's the sentiment of, of which you believe uh, and embrace personally, right? Mm-hmm. Like how do you personally feel about it? Because yeah. I could say I'm half Chinese and half black, but I know goddamn well that I'm 100% both, both in the way yeah. that I interact with people and the way that I see myself, right? It's the, the language that we use is powerful, right? It is. And when I used to say half, I really meant like, well, I can only do half of You felt half, right. That, I that's... can only do half. Yeah. Right? Like, no, I could do everything that you guys do. 
And when I embraced that and I started to speak to Chinese people as if I completely am a part of the culture, Mm -hmm. I started to realize that a lot of them don't even embrace the culture. A lot of them don't even want to embrace the culture. Right. And then I got to investigate why that is. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then you start to get in the model minority myth and what that has done to how a lot of Asians view themselves, mm-hmm. right? Because everything is sort of like, everything sort of becomes under that model minority myth, Yeah. this striving towards success, which is in the form of whiteness. Yeah. And if you you're not I mean? hitting that white success, what we don't talk about in Asian side is mental how, how it affects our mental yeah, health. Like we're legitimately health. not allowed to talk about. It. And you and I yeah. come from two two groups of people who ain't allowed to talk about our mental health. No, you know, like no, the Asians we can't do it on the black side we can't do it. or we're embracing yeah. it now, but it's taken so long. And yeah. if you're yeah, if you're stuck in that mild of minority and you're not as successful as others. Uh, the model minority myth also brings about this idea that all age that there's no working class Asians. Right. Yeah. It's, there are hella working class Asians. Unless they're super, super, super known as being like Southeast, deep, deep Southeast. Yeah. Then yeah. someone will grant like, oh, those those ones can be. Yeah. But, poor. but like you can't be Japanese and poor. You yeah, can't be no, or working you can't class. Be fa- you can't be fancy Asian. You can't be fancy you can't be Asian. Chinese poor. or Japanese or right. Korean and be poor. Like You can't. Yeah. And that's it's not what so they are. ridiculous. Right. What is that? Or even and just it, as someone's like, wait, you're black and Japanese. But how does that happen? Because like they're assuming black means ghetto and Japanese yeah. means, you know, like, you know what I'm saying? And even though yes. technically I am hood black. Still offended mm-hmm. because you assumed, <laughs> you know, like what I'm yeah. saying, like that yeah, someone yeah, yeah, would yeah. make that assumption versus, it's, you know, whatever. And that's so interesting to investigate because my, you know, there is a whole work, there's like a whole um, working class of immigrants that came before 1965, after the Civil yeah. Rights Act of 1964, through yeah. the H-1 visa, right? The Immigration Act of 1965. And that was, um, that was where my, my mom came him in a result of that oh, right? okay through a h1 visa through my uh grandparents and uh you know she was uh she came here for grad school for upenn so she didn't come here as a refugee she didn't come here uh as uh, uh I, is there another word for working class i just keep using that term but no, that's what I think you that's, know what i mean yeah i think that's um, it. but plenty of people that are chinese did yeah and then they are forgotten because of this white supremacy's creation of telling us that like Chinese people and these specific Asians are the model minority that are better than all the other minorities because they worked really hard to get what they had when the reality of it is you made them the model minority by giving them opportunities that you wouldn't give to black and brown people. Yeah. You know what I mean? And in terms of immigration, Asian immigrants have received a longer standing blockade of of entry than mm. than other than other groups necessarily we there's been active the chinese exclusion act there you know internment for japanese there's literally been constant blockage of mm-hmm. asian immigration throughout yeah. um, this country's history and yet somehow mm-hmm. all of that is forgotten and really the only immigrants that exist here are mexican <laughs> somehow yeah. you yeah. know and it doesn't it that kind yeah. of doesn't make sense when literally like there's just full populations of of Chinese in the South that get erased because they were here for the railroad. Mm-hmm. 
and then fell off wherever they fell off and stayed where they stayed and assimilated. And now there's all these surprise Chinese people, you know, you know, like there's like literal people finding out later on in life. Oh my gosh, I'm actually, I'm actually like 25% Chinese. How'd that happen? I'm from the South, you know, that kind of stuff happened with complete erasure. Um, I've yeah. been, I've been engaging with someone recently that, that basically accidentally found out that they were, they were basically like a quarter Chinese. Like no one yeah. has any stories about it. Yeah. They don't know how it happened. And it's probably yeah. just the case that their Southern relatives at some point mixed with Chinese that were here way back. Yeah. And boom. I mean, I could, I could totally imagine that. Like if you're half and like you're in the South and you know, you don't have any connection to your Chinese side and you like, so what just, desire would you want to have to connect, if, especially yeah. if they don't accept you and you know, everyone around you is black. You sort of just mm -hmm. don't embrace it. And then it just goes away and you don't share any stories or yeah. anything. And then it just disappears like, just into black, into, into blackness. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So it, it, yeah. The minor minority myth I think is, is probably here. Here's the other thing about the not, the not go ahead, go ahead. class Asians. Yeah. Go ahead. There are a billion Chinese. Yeah. yeah. Literal billion Chinese in China, in China. So we're not even counting the ones that, yeah. that have, the diaspora left. yeah so there's literal probably i mean i Another don't know the number <laughs> but there's probably close to two billion yeah. chinese on this planet yeah and you're gonna tell me that there's only fancy fancy chinese yeah yeah i mean there's a lot less japanese because we also don't know how to procreate anymore um <laughs> but like they're poor too we got some poor ones my yeah half of my japanese family is country japanese the other mm. half is matsumoto clan so like my my great grandma stepped down for her for the love she yeah. found she found a lower class japanese for for love and everything like that oh, so man, it's still that, possible that just despicable caste system it's yeah no it's bad like my yeah. my japanese my country japanese side even created their own wait where's my arm go their own mon um what was that this is my Emblem? is my family crest on wow. the country country japanese side so it's three three it's three it's basically like three in a tortoise shell like it's hanioka so it's kind of yeah turtle oriented um they're not supposed to have one but they made one because they're like fuck that cast mm -hmm. <laughs> like we're gonna get a we're gonna get a mon too so that's that's what they got it the other yeah. one's too complicated and i haven't found a tattoo artist that i feel confident with yet so that's why i haven't made the matsumoto one Oh, one tattoo, and it's my grandpa's mm -hmm. name in Chinese. I seen, yeah, I've seen that on my your grandpa's name Chinese. in Chinese. That's it. Nice. That's um, it. Oh, you have a tickety talk about that too, about someone like, do you even know? Oh my god, man! <laughs> the questions. And then somebody oh. said, somebody was like, "Stop appropriating Japanese culture." <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> Which is I hilarious. Like, I was like, first of all, it's not even this is not I'm Chinese and this is China, these are Chinese characters. And Japanese I know that they like, I know there's the kanji. Yeah, but like they're telling me I'm appropriating. I love it. Oh, uh, actually, that is something that I do kind of want to talk to you about because it comes up a lot and yeah, and especially I think it comes up more for us as black Asians than it does mm -hmm. for Asians. I, I just believe this based off of the things that I've seen. Um, we are often accused of appropriation of both sides of our cultures mm -hmm. just because of whatever not enoughness <laughs> that somebody may view. I mean, I oh have a different God. experience in that I did grow up predominantly black, even though I look the way that I look and I tend to be accepted as black. But on occasion, I get hit with that, like, when it's a stranger 
you know, mm-hmm. I get hit with the like, you know, you're not black enough. And then I got to bring out all my credit. I used to. I don't need to do yeah. it anymore. But yeah. back in the day where I'd be like, my name is Charmaine Latrice, frankly, you can't tell Latrice. me. Latrice. You know. OK, oh, yeah. it's capital L, small a, capital <laughs> T, R, E, E, S, E. Yes, yeah. I'm black. So you can't tell yeah. me um, things like that. You know, like I, I did I did have have that. So I don't as often get accused of appropriation on the black side, although now that I have to wear the masks, mm. my blackness is, is being erased. And so I do mm. get accused of it mm-hmm. more now. I'm getting seen as East Asian for the first time. Wow. Never been seen as East Asian. Hey, lucky you. <laughs> it's very, it's very <laughs> weird, though, because if you've done your whole life being like, I know I look like I look, but I'm black. I've been black most of my life. Yeah, and yeah. now all of a sudden be seen as, as like Asian yeah, um, yeah, or yeah. even being embraced by Asian organizations, which like, I'm like, what? You know, yeah. how many times did I try to join the Asian, um, you know, like yeah. groups in school and I was not. In- so embraced I now. Was, yeah. It's very but, weird. But still it's- like, it feels like I'm being embraced because it's a, it's a trend kind of. Yeah. I'm nervous about it. I'm nervous about it sometimes. It, it so feels unsettling. Sink my claws deep in there. <laughs> That's why I can't keep get rid of me. To and I won't I shut up. Asian American Podcasting yeah. Award because motherfucker, yeah. it took me forever to get noticed by yeah. Asians. Because you gonna say you gonna give me all the black stuff. I'm good because mm-hmm. they just accept me. Yeah, because I don't well, have a know, Japanese middle part. name or anything like yeah. you know other. But fuck that. We don't need that. We don't you know need what I mean? it. I we just don't need that. Got this. this is the way they the way they be ex- uh, getting on their hands and knees and praising these Asians with German names. Yikes! Like, yeah, you don't need no damn Asian name to be accepted. Fuck, yeah. fuck all that. You know? I basically have to be called Soulman. Um, I have a little little song at home in my family's home. I basically get called Cold Noodles because they can't pronounce my name. Shaman, <laughs> <laughs> Soulman, she a Soulman. <laughs> It's like I'm just just cold noodles because I can't pronounce my name. That's a um, cool nickname though, cold noodles. Yeah, I should I should walk around and be that should be my street name. I should just yeah. be like cold noodles on the street. Okay, but so we do, noodles. we get a few we get accused of appropriation yeah. quite a bit. And mm-hmm. um and I'm sure you've gone through it probably more so than I do because your your presentation is more obviously a well to me, I think your presentation is more obviously a mix. You're you're you seem more blended in your face than than I do. I feel like I literally am a split. There, there's my Asian. Mm-hmm. There's my black, including my dad's hairline. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't, I don't think the I features. have like a. Yeah, my I features don't know. are very. I don't know what my features are. I'm just, I just say this. I just say, uh, the quote that I always say is, "It's not that I don't look Asian. It's that you've never seen an Asian like me before." Yes, because I love that. because at the end of the day, like I'm still eight. Like you're it doesn't still matter. Asian. Yeah, you're still what Chinese. the hell you think I look like? Yeah. Like 50% of my DNA is Asian. So yeah. therefore I look Asian. I don't care what you think I look like. I do you love that I mean? you say that. Cause honestly, there are times when I still can be kind of apologetic where I do this thing. I was like, I know I look the way that I look. I probably have said that four times today already. Like I know yeah. I look the way that I look, but I'm. Yeah. Trust people me, say I'm that all the time. Whatever. Like get real. You don't look Asian. So why are you blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I don't care what I look like to you. I don't care what I look like to you. That's not yeah. important to me. You know what I mean? You just I don't mean, know what diversity is. You've you never just gone don't know to the Philippines like. and yeah. seen the native Filipinos. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And a lot of native Southeast Asians that look like me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, you just don't get that. All you see is what you see in the media. 
and what you choose and, to see and what you and choose honestly, to surround yourself with. What would we what would be the thing we're supposed to look like to be a yeah. very obvious black Asian? You want me to get that? You want me to be like the transracial guys, that transracial guy who now says he's Korean, that white dude? I can't. I saw him at the it. mall. I saw him at the mall. I didn't say anything to him, but I saw him <laughs> in the mall. I was like, wow, you're out here. Like, cause I live in basically China, like in the San Gabriel Valley. Okay. And he was at this mall and he was just shopping around. And I was like, wow, that's the guy who like Is got surgery to look like Jimmy. Oh, that guy. PTS. Yeah. I'm like, do you want me to do that? And then you'll accept me? Or then but they, will it be offensive to you? Yeah, or will that be still... offensive? Do you know what I mean? Like, is an Asian guy making himself look more Asian offensive? Right. That's a good question to ask. And also, what know. does that mean? Because, yeah, there's so many different ways. I, I don't know what we would look like to be the perfect mix. I do know that since Naomi Osaka has become more famous, people tell mm -hmm. me, oh, you don't look like her. And I'm like, no. <laughs> like, what am I supposed to? Correct. It's like, it's like this, do all Asians look the same? No, because you right. saying yeah, that would be like, racist. But, like, you thinking that Blasians look the same? Right. Like a black and Japanese person look, is supposed to look the same. That's also racist. That's also time. racist. And you know yeah. what? I mean, I'm not going to lie. I think because she does look to me, obviously a, a mix where I yeah. look like a Dominican, I guess. Um, I am. Yeah. Sometimes I'm a little jealous, but yeah, yeah, like I've had, I've had people say like, Oh, you don't look like Naomi Osaka. And I'm like, um, yeah, we have different parents. Um, yeah. We have black is different, different than my black, you know, yeah, like different. So it makes sense to you. <laughs> Mother fucking racist. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so what made you get to the point where you decided you wanted to make content? Uh, George Floyd. Okay. Oh, so it's recent for you. Oh, very recent. Okay, um, then maybe, I, why do I think I know you from earlier than that? I guess maybe nah, I don't. Nah, man, before this, I was just posting pictures of my six pack. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like these? I was what about like, these? Do you like this? I'm nice. a model. Look at me. <laughs> Everybody look. Um, no, George Floyd was a turning point for me because I okay. saw how much pain that like my the black community was going through and all my friends who are black mm -hmm. and um and then also seeing all like seeing so much anti-black racist sentiment from the Asian community. Mm -hmm. like going hard too, like mm -hmm. I, I under and I'm talking about how the BLM they they associated the BLM BLM with riots and then they went mm -hmm. even further and they're like black people are criminals mm -hmm. and then their yeah. racism started to show like very very blatantly mm -hmm. and so for me I like was talking to my brother you know and after in between jobs so I got a lot of free time and it's and it's a it's a whole pandemic Right. So ain't nothing happening. Right. You know what I mean? I'm completely jobless. And I'm like, I'm an artist. What am I supposed to do here? And I'm like depressed and sad. And I'm watching the news and people are dying of COVID. And we got a Cheeto as a president who doesn't care. Mm -hmm. And all he does is just lie all the time. You know what I mean? And black people are still getting murdered. And then we get to see a, another murder in HD that is blatantly a murder. And people mm -hmm. are arguing that it's not and saying that he's the problem. I'm like, okay, enough is enough yeah so i'm on the phone talking to my brother about all this and he's just like yo like i understand like you feel all this this way but like why don't you share that why don't mm. you say it 
to somebody except for me. Like, like someone, like, yeah, a larger, yeah, a larger audience, like you're preaching to the choir. And I'm like, but I'm scared. <laughs> and he's like, why? And I'm just like, because what are people going to say? Right. And he's like, why do you care what people have to say? Just focus on your output. Don't worry about the input. Also, you know, and this is something that I do now every day, I think about every day. I'm like, how am I going to allow the input that I think is going to happen that hasn't happened yet determine whether or not I make oh, this piece of content gosh, or the, that I share this? You know what I mean? Like how long it takes to press record is the way I describe it. Like yeah, how long it takes just when fucking you're do it. like that. Oh my God. Just do it. Oh my it. God. It changes everything. Once you start doing it, and, you and kind of so, need to keep it up. Yeah. The first thing I did was write this very accusatory, inflammatory um, article just from the deepest pain of my experience in life being mm -hmm. Black and Asian during that period of time. Um, and it was just pure pain and expression of, you know, what I was feeling, right? Mm -hmm. And how I felt about the Asian community and how I felt uh, about how they saw the black community and also my experience being Asian and how I was treated by other Asians mm -hmm. because I'm black mm -hmm. in their eyes. You know what I mean? It's not yeah. because I'm black, it's because of the way that they view blackness. They, they view blackness. And I have to always understand that because there's nothing wrong with being black. There's no problems. The problems are from the racists that make that a problem mm -hmm. because they feel it's a problem. I don't, mm -hmm. I don't believe black is not a problem. It's them, it's not me. Um, and so I talked about how the first racist experiences that I faced were not from white people, they're from Asian people, from mm -hmm. my own people. Right. And how it during that period of time, when you see a black person murdered and your initial reaction is he deserved it, mm -hmm. you're absolutely you're, into, yeah. you're absolutely racist. When you skip over the 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 origin of why these riots, you call them riots, are happening. And you're like defending like a target because right. a target got, you know, well, fuck uh, about beat a up. I'm They're like, sure. you, you care about property more than you care about people? people? Yeah. And like, you don't even see me as one of your own people? Like, what if I was murdered? Would you be like, he deserved it? You probably Did would because that's how I experienced it. it. Yeah, because you know, that's like, what I've experienced in my life is you not accepting me. Like yeah. you not accepting black people is you not accepting Asian people because I'm black and Asian. And Asian. Do you care about yeah. me? Because it seems like you don't. Mm -hmm. So don't act like you do and, 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 and admit that you're racist. It's okay. Once you admit that you're racist and you, and you decide to do something about it. Yeah. And, and, and I left him with this. I was like, if you have a problem with what I'm saying, if you have a problem with what I'm saying, just understand that this is an Asian speaking to you. Mm -hmm. I'm an Asian. I'm a fellow Asian saying this to you. Mm -hmm. So if you come at me sideways, just understand you are racist. Right. Period. And so uh, that echoed through the airwaves. <laughs> and I didn't care how it was going to be accepted. I really didn't care when I wrote that. I was just like, I'm just going to post this on subtle Asian traits and subtle half of traits and post it on every Asian group I could possibly find. Next shark. And they posted it on their, on their sites, mm -hmm. which I was very surprised about. And then, of course, you know, they had people calling me the N-word mm -hmm. and people saying, like, you know, I bet you you don't give a shit about the Asian community because you're blah, 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 blah. I'm like, did you read the article? <laughs> you're literally proving my point. Yeah. But 90% of what, it, what I received was absolute support 
that's good. And that's what changed my life was the fact that like, oh, y'all accept me and support me? Actually? Yeah. Oh, snap. Okay. Yeah. Well, let me start making some content about my experience. <laughs> you know, I think, I think that was really the catalyst and the turning point for me was understanding that like, I should always speak from my own true voice. Right. And my own experience. And that will, that will and can breed support in finding your community, you know? Right. Because since then, I've done so many podcasts. I've met so many Asian celebrities that accept me. And, and also, I've found, um, um, like, bridges with people who aren't Black and Asian. They're just Asian, but they vibe with me because it's like, I came here as an immigrant when I was 11, yeah. and I had to blend in with the American culture. And when I think about you being Black and Asian and sort of dealing with that, I feel like I feel like I can sort of understand that because I had to deal with these two worlds at home mm -hmm. and then outside in school and in public, right. you know? And I'm like, oh yeah, we're humans. Yeah. The, the way that people don't see the crossover mm -hmm. in a lot of our different experiences is always pretty surprising. Um, I, I think also it's so weird, the timing of it too. I didn't think about it, but George, so after George Floyd, I had kind of stopped doing a couple mixed race interviews and I just started talking, you know, like you, I was the moment radicalized me in a way that I wasn't already radicalized. Like, cause I've always talked about social justice and things like that, but in this way it was, it hit just differently mm -hmm. this particular time, I think. And my listenership uh, grew by like three times in like a month. And I freaked out because I was like, what the fuck does that mean? Do I have to change my content? You know, like I didn't know, like, <laughs> what does that mean? Am I what? I don't I don't know what happened. Um, but it did expose me to something that I didn't realize I also wasn't doing. And this could have been a protection measure for me, given that I haven't been accepted in Asian spaces and in, in, um, throughout most of my life, or it could just be a lack of visibility because I've lived a very black life for the most part, mm -hmm. is that it opened my eyes to also what was happening to Asian people in America. I yeah. wasn't paying that close of attention before. Yeah. I really wasn't. Mm -hmm. um, and it was the combination of just like, I'm tired of seeing, you know, when Black Lives Matter is active, Asian people saying, where's Black Lives Matter when Asian people are, are being suffering? Or then yeah, when Asian, crazy. you know, stop Asian hate and, um, you know, evolution for Asians and things like that yeah. was happening where it's like, where's BLM? It's like, motherfucker. <laughs> you're like literally it. using the same script. Yeah. You know, and you're literally using the same script. I don't feel like that's real because there's so, like, why are you saying BLM? Like, there's Black people that are there. Yeah. Like, are you using BLM as a replacement, as a for, replacement black for black people? Right. Yeah. Like, if you don't see a Black Lives Matter sign, that means there's no black people supporting your cause. And there's hella black people that... marching with these people. Yeah. Like, and what Asian if it's people. a black event that BLM isn't present for? That's still possible. Yeah, I mean, it's like, probably less likely now, but it's still possible. What is like, that? Um, why, why do they do that? They it is a replacement attribute it to a, to a organization. Like, that's not the people, you know, like. As if the organization is the only thing that radicalized. Um, and when I talk about radicalization, I'm talking about like straight up self-care and preservation of the community. Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about what they view when they say the word or hear the word radicalization. Yeah. I'm talking about literal racial militancy, protection mm -hmm. and, and preservation of our own communities and, and preserving safety and things like that. But yeah, to think of like the organization as the thing that... 
Like there's no other kind of black people. There were Black Panthers years yeah. ago, and now there's BLM, and there's no other kind of black people. Yeah. I also, you know, an organization is doesn't speak for me. It doesn't. As a person. Sometimes <laughs> we're in line. Sometimes yeah. we're not in line. And yeah. it's up to me to be able to tell you, like, I'm here for a boop, 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 boop. Yeah. But I'm not here for that thing right there. You know, because yeah. that's possible. Yeah. And also as a mixed Asian, I think in the last year receiving acceptance from Asian organizations have has been difficult for me because I had to I had to fight that thing, which I think you kind of mentioned too. Yeah. Um, is that like, wait a second. They like me, you know, but why do they like me? You know, like my whole life I've been told I wasn't a part. Like in high school, I think yeah. for me joining the Asian group was hard because not only was I not full, you know, mm -hmm. Japanese, it was also that my mix was Japanese because Japanese mm -hmm. aren't joiners, they're assimilators. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. the Asian groups in school were Filipinos and Chinese and Korean and, and um, Vietnamese and yeah. Japanese was the oppressor. <laughs> of all of these people and then i hear my little mixed ass walks in like hi japanese you know and they're just like yeah, that's so interesting is this for you? that's so interesting because i almost consider myself first of all if we're being really real like race doesn't matter at all um but it does because we're in a system where it's made to matter the but system forces us. when i walk into any place or just walk outside of my door or even when I'm just by myself, like I consider myself my own kind of race per thing. se. Yeah, right. Like my, my own kind of thing. And like whatever idea that you have that is attached to my race before you even speak to me or talk to me, like that's on you. That has nothing to do with me, yeah. you know? And I'm not going to carry that luggage for you. Yeah. That shit's heavy. And, it, and know, it's, but it takes a while to I get there, it. you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course. Of course the other thing does. I think for us, and it's something that I've only really discovered over the last year or so too, maybe two years, is um, we're not Asian in Asia. <laughs> oh no, no we're Asian not. here, and so like I had to, I had to mentally get myself into going into an Asian space and thinking it's totally fine for me to be in an Asian space now. I mean, I am mixed with a, a an ethnic an ethnic group that comes from Asia, so boom, I was raised in the culture. Mm -hmm. in, in yeah. so much as I could be here in America with mm -hmm. a parent with a grandparent that tried to hide it a little bit um, you know member of the thing but if I go back to Japan I'm not Japanese I'm American um, oh got if, it yeah, if yeah. I go to but even there I'm even also got it. you're Asian. talking about national nationality yeah so we're talking about nationality yeah. and we're, we're and the thing is with Japanese it is all nationality until you're mixed with black <laughs> Mm -hmm. so like that's why naomi gets the hits that she gets and and rio mm -hmm. hashimoto same too like literal well like rio even worse literal born and raised in japan J japanese until he came to america to play basketball still gets oh, hit you're with talking japan. about the basketball player in the nba yeah yeah and it's like he's like is he's japanese he's like hella japanese. culturally like he speaks the language and he's just like born is japanese there. He looks Born Japanese. Is. I mean, he, he looks it. black too, but he, he looks even had, Doesn't he even have like a Japanese accent when he speaks English? He he can barely speak English. That's is what the I'm thing. saying. Like he's been <laughs> learning. 
since he's been yeah. here but when he first got here like two years ago when he was like over in Sawtell where I yeah. used to live um which is a whole nother me trying to embrace and it didn't click um like when he was walking around there he he could barely form an English sentence wow. he can now a little bit better but like yeah wow. he's if he if he's not Japanese what the hell chance do I have <laughs> you know like yes, you're not, right like this this what is it I mean it's it's racism is it white? Is it? It's colorism. It's it's it's, it's white supremacy. It's weird because it's, in Asia, it's not yeah. it's not strictly racism. No, 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 it's not. It's, it's definitely prejudice. Yeah. Um, but it's also an adoption of white supremacy because yes. that's where they obviously got it from. It's like um, it, it's like internalized, um, psychological, um, um, colonization. So I think it, it does date back to like when when Japan and maybe this is the case in other parts of Asia too. When Japan first started seeing black people, yeah, um, they were enslaved and They're they like, were being brought over from white people. Like yeah. white people were the dominant people, and so that already sets up a historical um, hierarchy, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. um, and Japanese are all about that hierarchy, so. Mm -hmm. It makes sense. And they've held on to it, you know, mm -hmm. all this time. So I have this extra problem of being um, not not, not a, a Japanese national, but also ethnicity is not that important to them until they find out I'm black. And then I'm mm -hmm. black. I'm not Japanese. I mean, mm -hmm. I've had a mm -hmm. Japanese hairstylist even tell me, oh, your hair is not nappy at all. <laughs> and I'm like, um, yeah. So first of all, we don't call it that. <laughs> and second ah, of all, yeah. like my hair if you can't tell and you're japanese this here this is japanese hair yeah like my texture yeah my thickness like yeah. this is japanese hair it doesn't become mixed black hair until it grows to about down here and mm -hmm. i have to be in my humidity <laughs> for yeah so like you know black is so powerful that it erases japanese-ness i think there's other parts of asia that kind of has this going on too where it's but like i wonder though i wonder if it's just because we've been taught and conditioned to look at it that way do you know what i mean like yeah. are we really do we really not look like I, japanese or or is it just like when the skin's dark it's like i can't see the i can't see I, the I can't thing it's like I, my eyes are can't even I can see the asian at all not even open the my black eyes is sometimes blinding me from seeing any of it <laughs> you know yeah, but if no, it's I like think a white, right. white Asian, they're just like, oh my god, it's oh the, my it's god. so pretty. Yeah, we must bow yeah. and we must exalt. We must put her and him on a pedestal and yeah, praise them, praise yeah. them. Yeah, it sucks. it sucks so bad. But yeah. yeah, I think I think that joining thing was very tough. So so I guess going back to what kind of um, radicalized your content creation. Yeah. Uh, I, I was going through both because I've always been able to talk on black topics. I've never really always been able to talk on Asian topics. And now that that's happening and also that I like got an award and stuff like that from an Asian mm -hmm. organization mm -hmm. and that the people at the Asian organization kept telling me you're Japanese enough or you're Asian enough. And I'm just like, because <laughs> I, I never had that happen to me. Yeah. That being said, I don't want to walk around needing that. You know, of course, like, of course. So that's also the process, that's also been though, a struggle. We spent our whole lives not being accepted yeah. by our Asian side. So what I what I do like is the way that you put it. Is I am simultaneously hundred percent black and hundred percent uh, Chinese at all times. I'm never mm -hmm. not one. Or, I'm never not both. Mm -hmm. Um, I may like you know I may have a black moment, 
may have a Japanese moment, but I'm at all times experiencing that as a Blasian, you know. An an N-word moment? Uh, Yeah, well. (laughs) um, Yes. Yes. But yeah, like we're, we're what is the, what is the Asian version of that moment? That's what I want. What to know. is the Asian version of that moment? I don't know, but I'm gonna make a. I mean, and it. then also that. we got to break it down by the different kinds of Asian, right? Because like yeah. Japanese will go hardcore over polite if they're really yeah. mad at you. And do we um, do we call it do we call it the racial slur moment? No, probably not. Probably not. <laughs> probably not. Probably not. But we have every right to because we are. Yeah, we are sort of that we're not the slur but we are yeah. the people that received that slur the, anyway slur. Yeah. um let's see where we got on time okay we're getting oh you know what i could go along with you but I, i'll try to be i'll try i to can be go along listen we could talk we could talk we, we could keep we could keep it going um so one thing i do want to ask you yeah. you this is not my normal question that i ask everybody but i do ask random people because sometimes people talk in a way that makes me feel like oh they're gonna know and yeah. you did just do an episode on on yeah. food, so let's get into it. <laughs> what is, if you have one, your yeah. favorite hybrid food that that makes you feel like you're you're black and Chinese when you're eating it? It's it's embracing both cultures. I mean, you got one. We call them. We call it a very inappropriate name. Oh. <laughs> we call it booty noodles. Booty noodles. Booty noodles. For the audience, why don't you tell it? That makes me else? not want to eat it. Actually, if it I, call may, it that. I don't want to go anywhere near it. Um, yeah. When you described it, and Ugh. I, I have to admit this. Yeah. Never heard it called booty noodles until I heard you talk about it. I never heard it, heard it called booty noodles until my co-podcaster called it that, and I was like, I'm using. But that. then you kept yeah. saying it because you. I kept saying it because I loved like, this. <laughs> I loved that it was cool. So, yeah. Okay. So until y'all brought it up, I had so, never heard them called booty noodles. Yeah. Before. Booty noodles are. Um, uh, pork intestines, which are very popular in Chinese culture and Black culture. Yeah, Chinese culture prepares them a little differently. I like them fried, mm-hmm. um, and in this um, certain like hot, hot, uh, dry, dry um, pepper, red pepper mm-hmm. um, for seasoning, and then you know, chitlins, chitlins in the south. I'll eat them however my grandma makes them because she always makes them bomb as hell. So that's okay. just how I'm going to eat them. Um, respect. I, Booty could, never, all I day. could never get through it. I, 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 I've never been able. I've never been able to do it. I mean, especially when you know what it is. Yeah. I think when you don't know what it is, it's easier. And that's when I first started eating booty noodles. Booty noodles. I didn't know what they were. And I was like, this is delicious. <laughs> so I'm one of the closed-minded eaters that if if I tell you I don't like XYZ and you mm-hmm. don't tell me that XYZ is in the thing I'm eating and I like the taste of it, I'll be like, this tastes good. And then someone's yeah. like, it's got XYZ in it. And I'll be like, you know, I knew there was something wrong with it. And then I'll never try it again. Oh, um, I'll keep eating it and I'll keep eating it forever because it tastes good. I don't even care good. anymore. I, I do wish my palate was a little bit more adventurous, but, um, you know, you know Japanese got, people, y'all got crazy stuff. Like eating there's octopus a alive and squid alive and then we'll frog see, I alive. I won't eat them alive. And actually, as much as I love the taste of, of taco, of, of octopus, I can't eat it anymore because I really like octopus as creatures. <laughs> I've fallen in love with them as they've become my favorite animal because okay. they're hella smart. And makes sense. Um, I was at the last time I tried them, I was at dinner with Asian Soph, one of the activists that's out mm-hmm. in LA. Um, 
we were at dinner and I was like, oh, I haven't had taco in forever. And Asian soap will just put away food. Like, mm-hmm. go to her YouTube. Insane. Um, and so she's like, yeah, let's get some. And I put it in my mouth and I almost damn near started crying because I was thinking about the octopus that escaped from the from the aquarium going through like 148 miles of, of piping just to escape to the ocean. And I was like, oh <laughs> so now I love octopus as, as people, basically. Um, I see the humanity of octopus and I can no longer eat them, um, which is sad because it's one of my favorite foods. Mm. I didn't eat them alive though. I would, I, I prefer them grilled. I don't, but... I don't want to eat anything alive. Oh no, no, no. Me neither. Or even the thing that like, you know how yeah. it's already dead, but they put soy sauce on it. Or and then salt it twitches. Which? Yeah, no, no I'm way. not doing that. I'm not, I'm not doing, doing none of that. I'm not doing any of that. I don't want the food to be moving when it. No, okay, no. No, thank you. Yeah. No, thank you. Um, but yeah, so I I eat the less adventurous Japanese food mm-hmm. <laughs> and the less adventurous black food and um yeah, but yeah, I like to see what people like to combine. No booty noodles. Um, no booty noodles for you. No booty noodles for me. I you know what? Actually, not true. Now that I think about it, I've never tried them fried. You should try them fried. So, it's very different. It's very different. If it's an opportunity for me to try booty noodles fried, like maybe next time I go to LA. Booty noodles not fried is like, ugh, like you got the other part. Ugh, yeah. So the other rubbery. part, the reason why I couldn't get past chitlins growing up was um, you could all, the, the person that had made them, you could always smell what they were. I have since been in a place where someone cleaned them to the extent you wouldn't ever know that they were ever booty noodles. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just too close-minded to try them. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I at least respected that they managed to get all the smell out. Yeah, they don't really they don't really sell the it in restaurants, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. out here they do where I live, they, they you go to like a a certain restaurant you can get them. In LA. Out here. Well, in Alhambra where I live. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I I well, I mean, you know, I'll I'll be back out there. That's my that's my home terrace. So I'll go back out eventually, and maybe I will try booty noodles with you. We'll try booty noodles <laughs> together. We'll do it in solidarity. In solidarity. Um, I'll just put that on the t-shirt. Booty noodles and yeah. solidarity. Booty noodles. <laughs> oh my god. Booty noodles yeah. being the the yes. poster food we for Black Asian solidarity. People through booty noodles. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> um, uh, but before, let's okay. So let's go ahead and wrap up. But I'm yeah. gonna keep talking to you, and now we're gonna be friends. So you're just gonna have to deal with me. Um, mm-hmm. One question I do like to ask everybody who's on the show, um, because sometimes we do talk about the difficulties that we experience as mixed people. But what do you love most about being a mixed person? Booty noodles. <laughs> <laughs> um, Thank you for that. <laughs> no, I love. I mean. If we're being honest, like booty noodles are sort of like a thing that both of my cultures embrace. So it's kind of a real answer, but absolutely not a real answer. Um, no, I love the fact that I have two rich cultures to fully investigate and fully embrace. Um, I'm talking to um, this organization that helps um, find uh, the lineage of your Asian ancestry. And we've been talking, and he was like, you know, like, I've only investigated Chinese ancestry and go really deep. And he basically creates a whole web page and like a whole um, document, documentation list and graphics and stuff to to see your entire ancestry from like thousands of years back. And he's like, with you, we could do a whole website where we have your Chinese ancestry compared 
to a timeline of your black ancestry oh and have gosh, every family member. Life. And it's like this generation for the Chinese was compared to this generation and the black oh. side. And what was the black side doing when the oh Chinese side God. was doing this? And I'm like, whew, you just, I was like, uh, you just like blew my mind with that. I want that so yeah, bad I'm like, that so... is kind of revolutionary, evolutionary when it comes to what it means to be mixed and then really and truly know your history. Right? right. If you know your history, you you will truly know who you are, yeah. and who and and uh, and you'll be able to share that with the generations moving forward. You know, yeah. I think that's I think that's super important to to know who you are and where you came from, and to share that with each successive generation, because mm -hmm. it because it, it gives you something to be proud of, gives you something to to stand on, and and you know when you when you go through these identity crises or. You, you're like, I'm lost. I don't know who I am or what I should be doing. You can look back to, to your ancestors yeah. that preceded you and know their history and who they were and what they did. And, you know, you can, you can love your ancestors that have since passed away, you know, in, as you are now living, you know. And I don't think a lot of us have the opportunity to really know who our ancestors were or even have a, you know, a documentation of that to go and look at, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, the, so the answer to the question is, you know, the fact that I have these two um, completely separate, seemingly completely separate uh, cultures that actually are living, both living it within me, which has taught me that all these divisions and all these categories and these caste systems that we use to separate each other aren't real. Mm -hmm. They're not real. Because all of that lives inside of me and I'm one person. And if I, I don't, you know what I mean? Like my Chinese side is not fighting with my black side. You know what I mean? Yeah, like what does that look Saying like on like, side? It's just well, like, Chinese oh no, side, you're racist still. towards, yeah, you're you racist know? towards black people, Chinese side. How dare you? Yeah, well, you weren't there for me when I was yeah. in the streets. Chinese side, like it's, you know, it's ridiculous yeah, right. when you put it in that context. But yet yeah. that's what we do, you know, in real life. Yeah, so. we, we do think we do seem to tend towards everything has to be in conflict or that somehow our parents were like super brave to like mm -hmm. fight the conflict just to be together or whatever. Yeah. And then enough time to make us or whatever. And it's just. Um, but I'm so glad I finally got a chance to talk to you. I, mm -hmm. um, I, I probably have consumed a little bit more of your content in the last couple of weeks that I knew I was going to. Um, talk with you so hopefully i don't look too crazy and that i've liked a whole bunch of your of your things all in one <laughs> uh, 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 you mm -hmm. know on the TikToks, looking no, like a stalker no, no. um but no but yeah i've been i've been following you for a while now and i'm 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 happy that you found a way to process the very difficult things that we were seeing last year with george floyd and and um a lot of the social justice action that was happening yeah. in a way that like gave you something it was probably therapeutic in a, in in addition to you know yeah. gave give a lot of other people access to the kind of content you create and everything too so I'm I, mean, glad that I, went, I went through a dark dark hole uh so it wasn't easy but yeah. i came out on the other side being empathetic and compassionate that's good. Not just towards black people or Asian people, but towards everybody and understanding the source of why it's like this. Mm -hmm. And that's not one person's or one people or one culture's responsibility, really. It's right. a system that we're fighting against that was formed kind of against humanity, really, you know, and that's and what we're fighting. It's such a 
exquisitely diabolical system too, because even the people who benefit from it can't seem to break it. And some of them don't even know. Yeah, they have oh, no yeah. idea. Aware, uh, unawareness to it. Yeah. And then, and then the system perpetuates that they do not know, that we all don't know, well, that we fight with each other. Banning books so that we don't learn about it. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Here in Texas. It's, um, yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a whole thing. Yeah, that's what happened when I moved from South Hill to, to Texas. Mm -hmm. but. Mm -hmm. um, but again, thank you so much for joining me on the show. Why don't you let everybody know how to find you, how to find your content, and also the other podcast. Uh, you can find me on Instagram and TikTok, Ryan Alex H, R-Y-A-N-A-L-E-X-H, um, and YouTube, Ryan Alexander Holmes. Um, and... Uh, my podcast that I do with uh, Blazion FMA and Meg Scoop, it's called Black, Brown, Gold. And uh, the latest episode was uh, about booty noodles. So if you want to go check that out, you can hear us talk about booty noodles. I was like, what in the hell? Yeah. The first one was like Blazion Solidarity and mm -hmm. Ownership. And the second yeah. one is booty noodles. Booty noodles. <laughs> booty no, I, appreciate it. I yeah. also appreciate calling it gold because, you know, I know there's feelings about yellow. I do say yellow on occasion if I'm referring to moments for me, but I don't yeah. use it broadly. Um, yeah. But I like gold. Gold is gold sounds cool too. Mm -hmm. A way to mm -hmm. a way to own it. It's Sometimes expensive. It is expensive, and and it reflects in the sun just like mm. melanin in general. Shines. Um, yeah. Shines. <laughs> Look at your face. <laughs> Shines in the sun. Yeah. <laughs> Militantly Mix is a main hustle media podcast produced and hosted by me, Charmaine Fury. Music is by David Bogan, the one. You can follow us on social media on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Militantly Mixed. If you'd like to become a sponsor of Militantly Mixed, please go to patreon.com slash militantly mixed for monthly sponsorship or paypal.me slash militantly mixed for a one-time only donation. And if you like what you hear on Militantly Mixed, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to be your mixed-ass self. Main Hustle Media. Turn your side hustle into your main hustle.